what where in life does that ever show to be like prove to be true? Where? Like you go into the military, can you imagine drill instructor saying, Well, we were gonna make y'all shoot guns, but that's not gonna be fun, so we're gonna just play marbles. <laughs> that doesn't prepare anybody for battle. Right. And so what happens is we think that making it easier for somebody makes it better for them just because it makes them more comfortable now. And three, two, one. You're listening to the Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We are here live at the Myron Golden Mastermind in Clearwater, Florida. Yeah. Don't embarrass us, okay? <laughs> it's actually called Offer Mastery, but why? It's called Offer Mastery, but I, you know what? It's a couple, I, I think I'm in a couple of your programs, but I look at them as like Myron's coaching. Oh, okay. That works. So, okay, yeah, so we got the Inner Circle. That was two days. Ma- that was okay. the last Inner Circle, then Offer, uh, mastery, offer mastery. So let me ask you, you got a couple offers. Mm-hmm. What are your offers? Because I only really offers? got one. So I've got, I've got the book. Mm-hmm. Boss Moose book. It's like $29. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we got the book. Um, we've got the inner circle. That's the 155. Mm-hmm. Has grant, grant potential. Yeah. So we got that. We've got um, Offer Mastery Bootcamp and Offer Mastery Coaching. Yeah. And then we've got um, the Royal Family. That's the million-dollar coaching program. Million-dollar coaching program? Yeah, we only have one person in that, though. You have a million-dollar coaching program. <laughs> we have a million dollar coaching program. So I like the fact that you do the offer offer mass like you 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 teach make more offers. I teach make more offers. When you come up with like the different offers, do you do like high, medium, low, or should you have a low tier with a book and then higher and then like a medium just in case they it, can't it, do that? It, it depends. It depends on who you are. So so when I say make more offers, it means literally to make more of one offer or more of the four different kinds of offers. And then if you have like multiple offers in each one of those four kinds, that's okay. There's, There's four, four types of offers. Okay. Talk to me. There's lead generation offers. Mm-hmm. That's just, you make an offer to somebody, they give you their information in exchange for some of your valuable content that you could sell to them, but instead you give it to them for in exchange for their name and phone number and email address. No money. No money. So okay. that's called a lead generation offer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you have a core product offer. That's like, the main thing that you sell. For instance, like for me, my core product offer is a VIP ticket to the Make More Offers Challenge. That's a core product for us. Core product is the Make More Offers Challenge, challenge ticket. Yes, ticket. The, the challenge ticket for the VIP. That's a core product. The, the, the general admission ticket is kind of a down sell um, for people who want to come, but they feel like they're not worth investing $297. So, and I, I know that sounds kind of a funny way to say it, but they don't believe that we've been programmed to believe that everything's valuable but us. And so that's mm. what I mean when I say that. I'm not condescending when I say people don't think they're worth it, but they literally don't think they're worth it. They have more money put in their, in their shoe closet, in their wardrobe, in their cars, in the rims on their cars than they put in their brain. And mm. so they don't think they're worth investing $297. So we have a downsell so they can still get the information but it's not as, that experience is not as intimate. So that's gotcha. our core product. And then you have PVOs, which are premium value offers, which is the Offer Mastery Coaching, Offer Mastery Bootcamp, and the King Solomon's Wisdom Inner Circle, and the King Solomon's Royal Family. Those are premium value offers. And then we have, we have continuity offers. A continuity offer is when you sell something once, they pay for it over and over, like our Bible Success Academy, mm-hmm. $27.99 a month. 
Gotcha. So for somebody that's just, how do you know what offer to pick though? So well, for it depends on where you are. Depends on where you are in like the entrepreneurial game. Like some people like decide one day they wake up, I hate my job, I want to be an entrepreneur. Well, where do you start, right? Yeah. Right. You have to figure out what you have that offers value to people and you create an offer around that thing. So that person might start with a core product offer. But you, you've got your morning meetup already. You already had that. You already had, well, is that the only product you sold? Well, no. Then you T-shirts. T-shirts. Books. Right. And I, do, ads. I do workshops for like 10 bucks. Workshops for 10 bucks. Can I buy one? I got 10 bucks. <laughs> well, not anymore since I've been in the inner circle. Oh, okay, but, uh, okay. Only, and only because, only because um, you help me realize that that doesn't really serve anybody. Right. Like if somebody pays $10 to come to something or even $20, 30 to, to leave out of your house, $20, some people, you'll see people buy it and they don't even come or they come, say there's good information, then they leave, but they don't have any really, transformation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that's why, like, so where you were when you came into our inner circle, you had, you had a continuity offer. Yeah. You had a core product offer, you know, interview on your podcast or whatever, or maybe sell some ads or maybe your $10 I forgot what you call. Don't it. say it like that because I like those events. I, 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 like I, I said whatever you, call, whatever you call. I don't know what you call it, bro. Wow. Okay, but anyway, so so that or you already had all that stuff. So the thing that you were lacking as an entrepreneur, you were lacking a PVO. You didn't have a premium value offer, mm. right? So I gave you the opportunity, the privilege to pay me a lot of money for my premium value offer. Mm. So then you knew that people would pay for a premium value offer because you just did it. That's a fact. That's a fact. Let me tell you something. Can I be Can honest? Just, please. I'm no, lie to going, me, bro. Lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, this is a true story. I'm going to make a pitch on my premium value offer. Sure. I just, I just realized it was called that. Mm -hmm. But I talked to somebody and mm -hmm. it made a lot of sense. It seemed to make a lot of sense. It seemed to make a lot of sense. <laughs> but he was telling me like, yo, man, um, you know, you get these coaches and they're off, you know, there's like these high ticket coaches and you, you could simply become one of these people that people look at as the person who's always looking to make a sale and asking for a whole lot of money. And even if you're not, like, getting over on people, you're going to be grouped in the group of people that's a scam. And, and you're using, like, psychology to make sales for people, and I don't feel that that's right. This is a conversation that I'm having. Right before I'm going to— a bunch of interesting stuff in that. It's all true, too. I know, but it's... And, it's yeah, we'll, we'll bring it down. Yeah. But in, like, this is the day I'm about to make, make my offer. offer. And I go on there, and I'm I'm feeling away. And I'm like, dang, I don't want to be the person that's always selling something to somebody. So I do make the offer, but the way I did it was like, hey, I got this offer. You could do it if you want to, but you don't have to. Okay, I'm not pressuring you, but this is what we offer. But you don't have to do it. Okay, I just want you to know that I'm not pressuring you. And... One, that taught me just, I'm not talking to anybody pitch day, ever. Like, not even You might brother. want to have a conversation with me for pitch day, because I'm not going to tell you anything that that's crazy. That's a fact. So, okay, <laughs> so break down what was going on, because it really, it really affected me, and I thought so, it was. So, people make the mistake of thinking that making something easier for somebody actually helps them. What, where in life does that ever show to, like, prove to be true? Where? Like, you go into the military. Can you imagine drill instructor saying, well, we were going to make y'all shoot guns, but that's not going to be fun, so we're going to just play marbles. <laughs> that doesn't prepare anybody for battle. 
right? And so what happens is we think that making it easier for somebody makes it better for them just because it makes them more comfortable now. But there is a principle called the easy hard principle. You know about the easy hard principle, right? Kind of. Easy on the front ends, hard on the back yes. ends. Hard on the front ends, easy on the back end. Well, people, have, people have built big businesses with sure they lower have. ticket, easy to. Sure they have. But it doesn't help the buyer much. Yeah, it kind of. It, it, depends. it depends on what the thing is. Yeah. It depends on what the thing is. It's a very nice watch, by the way. Thanks. Does it keep good time? Not really. Not really. Not really. <laughs> not, but it not looks really. like, it's probably not really, but it looks like a Rolex. It is. They probably sell watches cheaper than that. Yeah, join inner circle. You so, know I mean? so why did you buy a Rolex? Because I did this <laughs> offer. You know what I mean? The real reason, though, is because you believed you were worth it. See, what people have to start doing, they put value on everything outside themselves and value on nothing inside themselves. When the greatest value that they have is all internal. It's not the stuff that you have. It's the person that you are. Mm. Right? So this person who made you believe right before you made your all these people start selling these high ticket offers, then people are going to think, well, what people? The people who want to stay stuck like Chuck in a pickup truck are going to think you're one of those people who only wants to sell high ticket offers so you can make a lot of money. Well, the people who shop at Walmart, I'm not, I'm figuratively speaking, yeah. they might think that about you. But there's people who shop at Neiman Marcus aren't going to think anything about it. Hmm. Neiman Marcus does not attempt to attract Walmart buyers, and Walmart doesn't attract, attempt to attract Neiman Marcus buyers. You just have to figure out what kind of business you want to have. Yeah. Right? Do you want to, like, serve the best clients, the best offers, and people who are going to actually do something with it? Because according to the scriptures, what? The heart follows the pocketbook. Right? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mm-hmm. A lot of people sell stuff to people. They'll sell them something really, really cheap to make it easy for them, but their pocketbook ain't it, so their heart ain't it. Mm. And, I, and I, would, I would definitely say uh, uh, I can relate to that personally because sure. really I don't, put, I don't put a whole lot of money into something that I don't value. And there was a certain type, and maybe this explains it, <laughs> there was a certain clientele that I was that I would have, that I was attracted. I'm really good information, but based on the, the ticket amount or what I charge, all right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from that suite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. 
By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Determine who came in, even though it's really good information. Right. And I was I found myself like really trying to like one morning meetup at $79. I found myself convincing people that they should join for $79. Like it really, it was really, really tough. And this guy sent me a DM. He said, yo, I'm thinking about joining the morning meetup. And I was like, cool, it's a dollar trial. And I just don't hear anything back. A week later, he sends me a message that says, hey, I'm about to make the plunge. <laughs> he said, I'm about to make dollar, the jump. Whole dollar. It's a dollar. Right. It's a dollar for a whole month? No, it's for a whole week. It's whole a whole week. week. You get a whole week of morning meetup for a dollar. And then if you want to stay, it's $79 a month. And believe it or not, mm -hmm. there are people that charge back the dollar. No, I know they do. Seriously. We gotta... Because that's who they are. Huh? Okay, sorry. Because that's who they are. They are people who charge back a dollar. They are the people who make everybody else and everything else the problem. But the only problem is they take themselves everywhere they go. You said something. We can clap. That was good. Okay. <laughs> okay. You, said something, you said something the other day that really clicked. Okay. It was the, um, the philosophy of be, do, and then have. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it. And, I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I coach people and um, I have clients. And your premise is I got to get people to believe that they are something more than themselves or to be something else, not just tell them what to do. Yeah. Most coaching programs are, I won't say most because I don't, I have not counted. So many coaching <laughs> programs, right? Many coaching programs only help people realize what they can't do. They don't, they don't help people become the person who can do the thing. So many coaching programs have way more failures than success stories because they're teaching the people what to do without teaching them how to become the person who can do it. The principle of high achievement is be, do, have, which means don't be, can't do, don't do, can't have. Be a little, do a little. Do whoa, a little, whoa, 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 whoa. Be, hold on, say it again, say it again. Be, do, have. Yes. Don't be, can't do. Don't be, can't be. Can't, can't do. do. Don't do, can't have. True. Right? Makes sense. Be a little, do a little. Do a little, have a little. Mm -hmm. Be a lot, do a lot. Do a lot, have a lot. So the foundational premise of the whole thing is the being. You're not called a human doing. You're not called a human having. You're called a human being. Why? Because the most important thing about you is who you are, be, be, who you be being, who you are becoming. The whole purpose of life is to be perpetually be becoming more until you die. That's the whole purpose of life, to be becoming more. So someone invests in a, my program, right? Right. My responsibility is to get them to become something else. Or not something else, but to become more. It, it, it's really, even more than to get them to become more, is to get them to acknowledge who they are and to get them to aspire to be who they can be. Mm. Right? Who we are, that's the value we have right now, but who we can become, that's the potential that we have right now. And the potential is the difference between who we are right now and who we can be. And so our job is to show people their potential and get them to move towards that potential. 
That's our job. That's your job as a coach. That's your job as a parent. That's a pastor's job. That's a teacher's job. That's a friend's job. It's a husband's job, a wife's job. To help, like all of us, we're supposed to help the people around us grow. As iron sharpeneth iron, so doth the, the, the man sharpen the countenance of his friends. That's my purpose, to help you become more, to help you become sharper. You help me become sharper. We help each other become better. That's that makes purpose. sense. Because I have a, a, like, well, I have, I have a course, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, first step is you've got to check out the course. Now, the course is kind of like the step-by-step stuff sure. that you are supposed to do. Sure. And then three weeks later, you ask a question. I'm like, yeah, did, did you check out the course? They're like, no, I didn't watch the course. And then a coach would be inclined to say, hey, watch, watch the course. It's in there. Mm-hmm. But that's just, again, me telling people what to do not getting them to become the type of person who would actually go through the course. Yeah, so, and, 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 and the way you really help people become is you like, pe- people love stories, right? Mm-hmm. And they can relate to stories. So you could tell them either a historical or metaphorical story. Historical meaning something that you know has happened with someone or metaphorical, just a story about, it could be a story about a comic book character or something made up off of a television show. It could be off of a fairy tale, whatever right? Metaphorical. So you tell them a story or metaphorical story that helps them see someone who desired the same transformation they desire. And they went through the process of becoming. And then you tell them the story of somebody else who wanted the same thing. and They refused to go through the process. You show them how each of those people ended up. One of those people could even be you. That's why, that's why personal testimonies are so powerful. Because to one, People that you tell your story to, they can see their story in your story. Mm-hmm. Plus, they think they're smarter than you and better than you and faster than you. So if you did it, psh, I know I'm going to do it. Shans, it psh, I know I got this. Right? That's how people think. They won't say it, but they'll think it. So the purpose of the story is to get them to see something. Right. The purpose of the story is to get them to feel what the transformation would feel like. Because when we listen to stories or we read stories or we watch stories, we do it vicariously. We put ourselves in the place of the person in the story. That's why when you watch a movie, I'm probably going to mess up movies for y'all, but that's okay. If you're making less than like 50000 a month, you don't need to be watching TV anyway. So, <laughs> so, so, but I'm probably going to mess up movies for you. So if you watch a movie, you will see that movies have a very intentional and particular structure. So if you're watching a movie, what you'll find out is the main character of the movie, they will put that person, the hero, he's the person in the story, that you're going to want to become like, they will put that person in jeopardy within the first 10% of that movie. So if the movie's 90 minutes, in nine minutes, that person has a problem that shows up in the movie. Hmm. And then the movie is about their external journey and their internal journey, which oftentimes are in conflict with each other as they go through the movie. So you can see yourself in that. So you can see how the transformation they made inside created the transformation outside, and you can do the same thing. That's, that's how, like, all good movies one of the reasons they're called movies is because not just because they're moving pictures, but because they're designed to move you. Dang, that's crazy. Cause I'm thinking about paid in full. I'm like, yo, money making mint. I mean, Ace, Ace, like he's, he's going through turmoil, right? In the beginning, he hates the job. And then there's an internal conflict. Right. And something happens and he's gotta, he's gotta do something that seems impossible on the outside. But before that can happen, he's gotta become a person that he's never been on the inside. And that's the same thing that happens with everybody. Where you get that stuff from? How you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a movie, right? Oh, that's how movies work. And then, then they go through this transformational journey. And 
since I'm messing up movies for you, like spoiler alert, like I'm going to destroy movies for you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Right. So close to the end of the movie, the external achievement thing that they're going for, it looks like it's not going to happen. Period. The end, it looks like the movie's going to end and the hero's going to die and all of the stuff that goes with that. And then all of a sudden something happens, some miraculous thing happens and then, and then the music comes, and then they rise to save the day. And so now you feel hope again. That's great. Give me I learned that. He described every movie that's ever made in three minutes. That's crazy. And I learned that from Michael Haig, who's the guy who created the Heroes 2 Journeys. He's a, he's a, movie consultant. He's a script consultant. He consults with like actors and script writers on their movies to make sure that they actually move people. Okay. So bring that to helping me more effectively coach my clients. So maybe I'm understanding that there's, there's a conflict or, or am I creating the awareness of the conflict within them through a story? Through the story, whether it be your story, but like, I used to be a trash man, right? I made mean, $6.25 like an hour. Like back in the truck? Like, like or dri- you were the no, driver? I, dri- I was the driver. You're the driver. I was a shuttle driver. I would drive the truck to the dump. After they went and filled them up, I would drive them to the dump, empty them, come back, get another truck, drive it to the dump, dump it. I'd do that four times a day and I was done. Mm, right? It's a terrible job. It wasn't. No, I mean, in terms of like the smell? The smell was terrible. The fact that you had to get up at 2.30 in the morning, that wasn't fun. Right? But the fact that you got off by 12.30 in the afternoon, that was okay. True. I'd come home and take a nap. And a shower first. Oh, and a shower. And and then I'd get ready to go out and sell life insurance at night. Really? Oh, yeah. So trash man during the day. Life, life insurance, insurance investments, mutual funds and stuff at night. Were you married at this time? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Tell me about your, like, tell me about that lifestyle, the conflict. Because you were married. You had kids married. at this point. One. At that point. One kid. Mm-hmm. No lifestyle at all. Oh, no I mean, lifestyle. We were making, if we made $300 a week from the job, that was a good job. And I wasn't making sales yet from the insurance. I was just doing the presentations. Yeah. And what makes somebody in that position believe that they can be successful? Or Well, first of all, it's not the position that makes a person believe they can be successful. It's the condition of the human. It's like the condition of being a human that makes you, like God built you with potential. He built you with the ability to believe in your potential. And then you have the cultural hypnotic societal mechanism that programs that belief in your potential out of you. Your belief in your potential is natural. Your lack of belief in your potential is unnatural. That has to be taught. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you're, I guess as a child, you have a certain belief that you can walk or that... that you. What did you want to be? I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an airline pilot. And I'm going to be G.I. Joe. You can be all this stuff. I did have a life-size poster of Allen Iverson because I was going to go right. to the NBA. Exactly. But you know what happens? All of the rational adults rationalized, which means they told themselves and you rationalized. They rationalized you out of it. Mm. They, well, there are 75 million people a year want to go to the NBA and only three of them make it. What makes you think you're going to be one of those ones? Wait, what? Did you talk to my dad? You talk to my dad? Did he tell you to say? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You have, you, you have to learn that you can't. You believe that you can. It's natural to believe that you can. You have to learn that you can't. And fortunately, some of us, like, have people telling us that we can, but most of us have most of the people who we look up to in our lives, our teachers, our parents, our grandparents, aunts and uncles, tell us that we can't because 
of two things. One, they're protecting us, they think, from getting hurt because they don't want us to feel the pain they felt when they attempted and didn't do it. Which is noble. It's, it's understandable. It's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and the other reason is if we actually do it and they didn't, that's an indictment. By the way, that's one of the reasons your peers don't want you to succeed because it's an indictment. Well, if you do better, now I got to go do better or my wife ain't going to understand why is he doing better than I do? Wow. Wow. So that, I guess, dang, you know, I always, I always understood the, the principle of uh, the environment, right? right? Your environment mm-hmm. is going to change you before you change it, right? 100. But it's because of what they're getting you to become, I'm gathering. Exactly. Here's what's really interesting. Most people have no idea who they are. You know why? Why? Because they get their identity from society. And they think they are who society tells them they are. So if you don't look like them, in fact, you could, like, scientifically from Fibonacci sequence, like, perspective, actually look way better than them. But because they feel intimidated by the fact that you look way better than them, they will tell you that you look worse than them. Mm. And so what Mm. happens is we buy into the lie of what society tells us because society is to, and to society, most of society refuses to embrace their own greatness. So when you step into your greatness, they feel intimidated. So they try to intimidate you out of your greatness. Mm. And so what you got to do is you just got to, you got to like, I believe the best way to understand who you are is to know who you are based on whose you are. I remember when I was in elementary school and I remember when I learned in school, I was probably in the third or fourth grade. And because we come home from school, my mom would say, so what'd you learn in school today, baby? Well, today I learned that we're a higher form of animal. My mom said, don't you ever say that again. I was like, okay. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not an animal. You're made in the image of God. I didn't know why she was so bent out of shape, but she was like lit. Don't you ever say that again. My child ain't no animal. And I said, okay, yes, ma'am. Right? And then... As an, like, you don't know that they're introducing the Darwinian theory of evolution, which is nothing more than a racist theory and had absolutely nothing to do with science. Darwin was not a scientist. Oh, just go read your history books. He wasn't a scientist. Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay, let's put a pin in that. What do you mean? About what I just said? Yes. So, so, the, so the title of Charles Darwin's book that they call The, the, the Origin of Species, Go Google it. Don't take my word for it. Like anybody watching this podcast, go Google it for yourself. It's called The Origin of Species or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. That was the title of the book. No way. Yes way. Yeah. It has nothing to do with science. The the name of the book changed? No, it's, I mean, that was the name of the book, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not socially acceptable to talk about that. Oh, name so they that. just so, call so, it evolution. They just call it the origin of species. Right. But it's the name of the book is the origin of species, the struggle, uh, the the struggle and the preservation, the struggle of favored races in the preservation for life. That's the subtitle, right? That's that's the other title. It's not even the subtitle was something else under that. That was the other it? title. Did y'all Google it? Did you see? Somebody Google, Google it real quick. Google it. Google it and look for images. It says that. Google it and look for images. Wow. And people talk about cancel culture. Why didn't somebody cancel that? See, Charles Darwin was racist. He was a white supremacist. Um, Woodrow Wilson was one of his, like, he, he was Woodrow Wilson's hero. 
Woodrow Wilson was the first president in the United, of the United States who showed the birth of the nation, that KKK movie about black people yeah. being dangerous, showed it in the White House to empower, re-empower the Ku Klux Klan. No way. Yeah, and he got it from Darwin. No way. Yes way. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, 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 and my point being, my point being, and that got into schools. And that got into schools. And so now people think they're a higher form of animal. And we talk about evolution as if it's science. But if you look at science, and I know this is not a science podcast, and there will be people who will make comments who will disagree Good. with this, but that's Keep their problem. So, so if you look at the, the laws of energy, the first law of energy is everything is energy. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form. That's the first law. Second law, law of entropy. What's the law of entropy? Anything left to itself tends to move more and more towards disorder. So... I want you to really think about the, the significance and the power of both of just those two laws. So if everything is energy, and energy neither created nor destroyed, that means this hoodie that you have on, it, it, was, it was once something else. Let's say it's wool. So it was once the energy of a sheep, mm-hmm. right? And then somebody had an idea, and they took the energy of their idea, and they affected the energy of the sheep, and they turned it into wool, and then somebody else affected that wool and turned it into this hoodie, mm-hmm. right? But this hoodie wasn't made from nothing. It was made from something. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So then you take, um, you take, and I, I said this in, in our training the other day, um, everybody in this room, here's what you do. Think about your house, think about your car, think about your wardrobe, think about your bank accounts. All of that stuff that you have or don't have, all the stuff that you have in your life that shows up in your life, it shows up because that's what you've translated, transformed your life energy into those outcomes. Mm-hmm. If you don't like what you're seeing around you, you have to change the energy within you. Right? So then the law of entropy, everything left to itself tends to move more and more towards disorder. Like, no matter how much cologne I use, no matter how much, like, soap, I, if I don't take a shower every day, I am going to stink. Why? But don't trip, because so are you, right? Right? <laughs> so, so, so the point is, you can't just let things go. You have to handle them. If you don't weed the garden, the weeds take over the garden. Like, if you don't allow outside influences to come into your mind in the form of books and seminars and coaching and training, your mind is going to deteriorate to the lowest possible form. You can't let anything go. Everything that's going to get better has to have something outside of itself affecting it. Otherwise, it just gets worse and worse over time. So the law of entropy is the exact opposite of evolution. It's the exact opposite. They say, well, evolution, things just got better over time. Well, things don't get better over time. Unless they have an outside force, they get worse over time. That's just, that's like, that's like apparent to anybody who just thinks about it for like 16 seconds. Right? That's true. Right. So if you don't wash your car, your car becomes dirty, right? Um, if somebody, like if a bird poops on your car and you don't get the bird poop off your car, it eats the paint on your car. Like anything left to itself tends to move more and more towards disorder. If you have a vehicle and it sits in the same spot for a year, when you go to drive it, the tires are probably dry rotted because you didn't do it. it did, you got to act on it. Things need something outside of them to act on them to make them better. That's how life works. That's why I need a coach. I'm a coach, but I need a coach. And a coach that doesn't have a coach doesn't deserve to be your coach. That's why I read mm. books. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
in the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. I know stuff, but do you remember everything you've ever read? No. That's why you have to read stuff over and over. You have to constantly be learning because if you're not learning, then your knowledge base is not staying the same. It's getting smaller. Man. Okay, I got to hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Okay, do your thing. Do your thing. Because it's so much, so much going through my head in terms of now that validates why it's okay to be somebody's coach because they okay. need it. It's absolutely essential. Have you ever seen a dog train itself? <laughs> <laughs> right? Have you ever seen a human train themselves? You know what's really interesting? It's really interesting how God sets stuff up. He's got such great systems. So think about how out of control the world is, right? You know why people react to everything? Because nobody ever taught them how to respond. What does that mean? What do you mean? So people react. So that you have two, something happens, you have two choices. You can either react or respond, right? you got how many children? Two. Two children. Do you want them to grow up and be responsible? Yes. Responsible. I think. So <laughs> you want yeah. them to have the character of responsibility. I want them to have the character of responsibility. Yes. 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 Okay. So think about the word responsibility. It means to respond with ability. ability. And if you can't respond with ability, the only thing you can do react. is react. I'm learning. My dude. My dude. Up in here. Up in here. Up in here. It's called a breakthrough. So, so, like, in every area of life, so in the military, you, you can't sign up for the military and then go off to battle the next day. Yeah. You have to go through this thing called what? Training. Training. Boot camp. Right. So, so it's really interesting how there are four levels of parenting for four levels of child development. So I'm going to, and this is important because you can take those four levels of parenting and apply them to the four levels of coaching and yes. the four levels of value and the four levels of teaching for the four levels of learning. And all it, it all just keeps on showing up over and over and over and over again because it's all patterns. And like once you start recognizing patterns, you start like knowing how life works. And you're like, oh, I've seen that pattern before, mm -hmm. right? So, so when a child is born, they're out of control, right? And so it's really interesting that in, in the Bible, there's this, uh, in Mark chapter four, there's a story about a woman who had an issue of blood for how long? Do you remember? For uh, 12 years. 12 years. For 12, 12 years. years. And there was a girl, there was a girl 
who died, who was 12, 12 years, years old. old. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? When Jesus was, went to Jerusalem with his parents, and then they were going back home, and they were gone for a day before they realized how, that he was gone. How old was he? 12. He's 12 years old. Why? Because every number has significance. One is the number of unity. Two is the number of separation. Three is the number of God. Four is the number of the earth. Oftentimes, when we find principles on the earth that work, they often show up in fours. Four winds of the earth. Well, Four know, directions real, of the earth. Real quick. Pit in that real quick. Where do we get the, the number is the number of this? How uh, do we? Let's come back to that. Okay. Because where we're going is way more important than the answer to that question right now. But I'm not going to forget. Don't forget. So, Don't okay. <laughs> so, 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 so four winds of the earth, four corners of the earth, four seasons on the earth, four directions on the earth, four is the number of the earth. A lot of times things that, that work on earth oftentimes show up in force. Not all the time, but mm-hmm. oftentimes, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've heard me talk about the four levels of value and the four levels of le- teaching for the four levels of learning. Well, so when children are born, they're out, they're undisciplined or out of control. They can't control anything. They can't control their bodily functions. They can't hold their head. You know, you pick up a baby, it's like, you got to hold their head or they're going to break their own neck, right? So, so, so the first four years, four times three is, uh, four times three is 12, right? So God set it up in such a way that if we, like, if we do this right, like, we can have some pretty amazing children by age 12 because, oh, I was telling you the numbers. So four is the number of the earth, five is the number of grace, six is the number of man, seven is the number of completion, eight is the number of abundance, infinity, eternity, and the new beginning, nine is the number of truth, 10 is the number of perfect order, 11 is the number of disorder, 12 is the number of perfect government. So the story about the woman with the issue of blood, it's showing us that this woman, this disease had perfect control over her life. Mm. right? Um, This girl that died at age 12 in Mark chapter four, she died when she was going to be bait mitzvahed and become an adult, Mm. right? So interestingly enough, there are four levels of parenting. One through four, training. The purpose of training is to teach the child to respond properly to authority. And one of the biggest problems our society has today, we have a bunch of people who are adults who've never been trained. So they don't know how to respond. They're out of control. Mm. They're still out of control. Age five, six, seven, and eight. Are y'all getting this? Uh, y'all with age, me? <laughs> age five, six, seven, and eight is teaching. The purpose of teaching is to teach the children to reason properly with truth. I, I believe that the hardest phase of parenting is the teaching phase. Training, that's easy. You just tell them to do it and they have to obey you immediately and completely or they, they suffer the consequences, right? Which might be a spanking. It might be you got to go to your room. It might be whatever, but you suffer the consequences. So then age five, six, seven, and eight, you teach them. You teach them the reasons behind all the rules. Why? Because you don't just want people who only respond to truth. You want people who have the, I mean, who only respond to authority. You want people who have the ability to reason with truth. So you teach them. And then age 9, 10, 11, and 12, you transition them. You give them the ability to make decisions with your supervision. What are we going to eat for supper tonight? Okay, we're going to eat this. Okay, let's go in the kitchen and make it. You go out to dinner. What are we going to order? You have the, you have the nine-year-old. Order for everybody. You show them how to calculate the tip. You teach them how to do all these things. And what you're doing is you're transitioning these skills, life skills to your children, age 9, 10, 11, and 12. 13 and beyond, you can trust them as an adult. And in Hebrew culture, a child becomes bar mitzvah or bait mitzvah at age 12 or 13 
because the word bar means son, mitzvah means law, you become a son of law. What does that mean? That means now you're responsible to God for yourself as an adult. Mm. And so if we could take our coaching programs and make the first phase of our coaching program training, we're gonna, I'm going to train you. I'm going to make the second part of my coaching program teaching. Now you're going to understand why the why is behind the what. And then the last part of the coaching program, we're going to transition. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do the things. And now I can trust you. You're going to go get the deal done. So tra- training, training, teaching, teaching, transitioning, transitioning, and trusting. And now I can trust you. Now I can trust you. Golly. And I think I've been doing it all wrong, Myron. Brother, we all do it all wrong. That's how we learn how to do it right. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah, I, I guess I would have to consider the people who are now trusting me with their their future or their career or whatever, and I got to train them how to... Become trustworthy themselves. Become trustworthy. Themselves. Not become just, responsible not just... to respond with ability. They can respond to authority with ability. They can respond to truth with ability. They can respond to the things that have to be done, situations. With ability, responsibility means to be able to respond with ability. And most people don't have that. So what they have, the only thing they can do is react because they feel like I'm a victim. Well, you're a victim of your lack of training and your lack of teaching and your lack of transitioning. You are a victim of oftentimes of society's ill doings, but our own ill doings, because the reality is there's enough truth in the world. We can all go seek it out if we care enough. Yeah. Generally speaking, we care more about our comfort than we do about our transformation unless we have some kind of situation that awakens us. Yo, you know what's crazy? I was Before I even like really got into coaching, I talked to a few coaches and they're telling me all the things to look out for when you bring on a client, right? You, you're going to understand that your client isn't going to necessarily read the instructions. They're not going to read the email. They're not going to do the thing. Like, they're just, they're just kind of like talking through these things. Yeah. But I very rarely had a conversation with other coaches where we start to analyze our ability to train. Mm-hmm. Right. Our ability to get them to start walking at least mm-hmm. or to like keep your head up. Yep. You know what I mean? Like just, just stay on the path. Yeah. You just, you just changed my whole coaching program. Give Myron a round of applause for that. So, so I believe that expectation as a human being's greatest superpower. I believe the most important thing that you can do for a coaching client, for a child, for a friend, for a spouse, for a sibling, for anybody, is to have enough belief in them so they can borrow some of your belief in them from you until they build enough of their own belief in themselves. Expectation is the human being's greatest superpower. If you expect to win, your chances of winning, expecting to win doesn't guarantee you're going to win. But expecting you're going to win gives you a far greater chance of winning than expecting you're going to lose. All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it and we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So it's about that time. We put together our Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, 
there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're a like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay. So check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is, um, the support is appreciated. Okay. Thank you so much. Now back to the episode. So this person who said, well, most of the people aren't going to read the program. Most of the people aren't going to... That's a, like, that's a dangerous belief for a coach to have. Mm-hmm. I have to believe that everybody's going to do the work. Yeah. And you may not do it, but you won't not do it because I didn't believe you were going to do it. If I don't believe you're going to do it, you ain't going to know I believe you can't do it. You ain't going to know I don't believe you are going to do it. You're going to think you are going to... Be- like, I know if I'm coaching you... I am going to believe that you can do the thing, whatever the thing is, regardless of circumstance. Period. That is the greatest, one of the greatest things I can do for you is to believe in the power of your God likeness to do the thing. Because there's nothing you're going to face that's bigger than you. There's nothing that you're going to face that's stronger than you. There's nothing that you're going to face that, that is better than you. But there are things that you will face that you don't know they're not better than you and you don't know they're not bigger than you. Makes sense. So if I can introduce you to who you really are, you'll never let anything stop you. So first level is getting people to understand that they are, be, like you get them to become something different, get them to think in a different manner of, of the person that they will become. And then we got to get, as my daughter would say, Didi would say, get them to think from the place they're desiring to go. Think from that place. Get them to think from the place. They're desiring to go. They're desiring to go. Right. So if you are already achieving the result that you're looking to achieve, if you are already that person, what would you do? Do that. Okay. Now we're on do. Getting people to think from the place of where they want to be. But now how do we get people to do it? Or if you can get them to be it, they'll No, they'll automatically do it. Yeah. So, so being speaks to our identity, doing speaks to our activity, having speaks to our property. So if you will be who you're supposed to be, you will be able to do what you're supposed to do and you will have what you're supposed to have. But it all starts with being. See, our whole society says, if what you're working on doesn't, is not working for you, try harder. But that's not, re- that's not a real formula. A real formula would be, if you don't like the output, Change the input. And guess what? What's that? Being is the input of doing. Being is the input. Being is the input. Doing is the output. So if you'll become the person, you won't be able to help but do the thing. Yeah. But guess what? Doing is the output of being, but doing is the input for having. Right. So, okay. You become... Input, you become. The output is you do the thing. You do the thing. But then when you do the the thing, that becomes an input. It's input, and and now you have the stuff. You have the stuff. But see, the desire, the the God-given desire that we have, oh, we desire to have the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know all that. I know you told me to read them books, but I want to have that stuff, (laughs) right? And so what happens is we get so focused on the stuff, we say, okay, well, you got to go do this. And they say, okay, I'm going to do it. I tried and it didn't work. Right. You tried and it didn't work because you attempted to do something that was outside of your ability. Remember what I said a couple of days ago, I think it was two days ago, every human being on earth is doing 100% of everything they can do who they are right now. Say it one more time. 
every human being on earth Mm -hmm. is already doing 100% of everything they can do who they are right now. Everybody's already maxing out their, their current ability. You're doing everything you can, who you are. Now, you're not maxing out your potential, but you're just maxing out your ability. You're doing everything you can do until you become more than you are. And then you'll be able to do more than you're doing. Yeah, I was watching you the other day, and I was you were like, watching Dang. what? I was watching you the other day. Okay. Like, I was here, and I'm just watching. I'm like, first off, where do you get all this stuff from? Two, how do you draw the comparisons and the parallels? And how do you know about the movies and, and Darwin? Where do you get all... Like, what's your, what's your personal development? And how do you retain it all? Because I don't retain... I'm, I, I'm easily fascinated. I, I'm a very slow reader. So, so... I don't believe it. So every... No, very slow. So here's what's really interesting, though. The law of polarity. We talked about the law of energy. We talked about the law of entropy, right? What about the law of polarity? For, for every positive, there's a negative. Every negative, is a positive, right? So have you ever seen a one-sided piece of bread? <laughs> no. One-sided piece of paper? No. One-sided pancake? No. One-sided coin? No. Why? Everything Why have you never has, seen one of those? Everything has two sides. Right. Because they can't exist. It's impossible for there to be such a thing as a one-sided piece of paper or a one-sided pancake. No matter how thin you slice a piece of bread, it always has two sides, right? Right. Which means it's impossible to have a negative thing in your life without the equal amount of positive from the very same thing also being in your life. All right, keep going. Come on, break it down. Break it down, because I I feel like you're going somewhere. Okay. I feel like you're going somewhere. So, So it's impossible to have, oh, this is bad. Well, okay, let's say it is bad. But if it's bad, it has to be good. It can't just be bad. There's no such thing as something that's just bad. So your ability, your your reading slow. So is a is a disadvantage. Disadvantage. Because kids laughed at me in school. When I read in front of the class, oh, it was crazy. I was I felt like I was chasing those words all across. I said, still, I'm trying to read you. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It was, it was bad, y'all. Um, and even now, even now, I read very, very slowly. But fortunately, because I couldn't read that good, I developed a really good memory. Because then I didn't have to read it. I already knew what it said. So the downside was I don't read fast. The upside was I can remember stuff fairly easily. Fairly easily. I may have to hear it a couple of times. And if it's really interesting to me, oh, I'm, it's locked and loaded now. You know, I think you're just even that story. I think you're like a walking, helping someone to be. Because you're changing the way I think. And, and I don't know if Mara well, ever said it. To be. It's like, oh, well, well, like well, it's just, well, 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 because yeah. like the way you talk is not like, I, here's the thing. Okay. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch the videos in the back office. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, you didn't either. I didn't watch them, but I'll get on the calls, the Q and A. Oh, well, you kind of talk office hours. Yeah. Office hours. Mm-hmm. And people are talking, and you answer the questions, but it, I just got it. I'm like, oh, I can do it now. But I don't know how I got it. I didn't, like, it, it wasn't like a whole bunch of do stuff. Right. But the, the way but you know I'm happened? starting to think is like, even now I'm starting to think of some of my, some of my um, inefficiencies, some of my downfalls, some of my weaknesses. And now as you're talking, I'm thinking of, wow, what, what strength can I draw from this, which gives me hope, hope to just keep moving forward? Oh, for sure. Every weakness has to be a strength. 
if it could, if it's not a strength, it can't be a weakness. But every 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 weakness has to be a strength. But every strength also has to be a weakness. Because if it's not a weakness, it can't be a strength. It's impossible to have a one sided anything. It's like it's not possible. I think some people think they're all weakness. I know. That's what I mean. They don't they don't know who they are. And your job as a coach is to introduce them to their true identity. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal to them who they really are and by the way so and i know everybody doesn't believe in god and that's okay 
I'm not trying to get people to believe in God, but I know who I am because I know whose I am. And so Moses asked God when he told him, go tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. Okay, but before I go, you know he's the king, right? And you know he's the king of the greatest nation on earth. So when I go tell him, you told me to let his people go, who should I tell him sent me? God didn't say, tell him that I do that I do has sent you. The I have that I have has sent you. The what? I am am that I am has sent you. Because God understands that the most important thing about him is his identity. The mo- you know what's the first thing God said to about man? Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and then let them have dominion. So God made us as human beings to be in charge of this earth realm. Hmm. But if I know that, now I know, based on that, and everybody didn't have the same belief. Okay, but this belief is the belief I have. I know when I face something, it's impossible for it to be bigger than me, better than me, stronger than me, able to stop me. I might decide to stop because I don't want to become the person who can do the thing, but it can't stop me. Do you have any struggles with belief? Because I think... Struggles with belief. In terms of something you don't necessarily believe. So, for instance, I think maybe three years ago, you had a strong belief in who you are, but even today, it's even stronger. But three, five years from now, it will be even stronger. Meaning there's some... I'll give you an example. Somebody said... um, they are going to make $25 million next year. Mm-hmm. And I think he said something like, you should do that too. And I'm like, sounds cool, but I don't believe it. Now, I do believe that I can. So, but, okay, so my question for you before you say anything else is where did that come from? I don't know. What's, what about $25 million is harder than $25? That, that's the part I'm trying to figure out. I don't I. I don't know. It comes what? from somewhere, though. It comes from something. Because I... See, if I said I don't my, know to you and you asked me a question, you wouldn't let me get away with it. For that. sure. <laughs> I have a belief of what I'm going to accomplish, which I feel is in my wheelhouse. Here's the thing. I believe I can, but I don't believe enough to go af- go do what I feel like I need to do to make that type of money. So, or or but, maybe it's just not important enough for you to go figure it out. That's good. Maybe. Maybe. Right? Probably. I've often said, you know what's really interesting? You know what keeps a lot of people from making a million dollars a year? What's that? Making a half a million dollars a year. Ah. <laughs> right? So a million might keep somebody from 25 million. Why? I'm not making a million dollars a year. I'm killing it. Right? Making a million dollars a year, I'm killing it. Okay. If that's what you want to believe. Do you? Does that make sense? It does. So, so if it's not that you don't, believe you could be a billionaire. It's just you I don't, don't want to do what it takes to do that right now. I don't know that I, I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't not, I don't have a desire to be a billionaire or to not be a billionaire. It's, it's irrelevant, right? That, whether or not I'm a billionaire to me is irrelevant. I want to become all I can be. I want to do as much as I possibly can to, and when I say do as much as I possibly can, I mean live in my creative space to make the world a better place. And if that turns into a billion dollars or a hundred billion dollars, or if it turns into a million dollars or a hundred million dollars, or if it turns into the fact that I make a hundred thousand dollars and I get to impact people's lives, I'm cool with whatever that turns out to be. Like, but here's what I know about most human beings. If they will max out their being potential, their doing and having potential, is way greater than they've ever thought possible. I think I have a lot of limiting beliefs, Myron. Most people do. 
but you weren't born with limiting beliefs. You weren't right. born with any beliefs. Somebody like somebody taught you to believe those limiting beliefs. Just my only challenge for you is you can have the limiting beliefs, just don't fight to keep them. <laughs> uh, thanks for the therapy session. <laughs> so, who is your coach? I've got a couple coaches. So, um, Russell Brunson's one of my coaches. Mm. You know, Russell Brunson, ClickFunnels. Okay, he's one of my coaches. Joel Bauer is one of my coaches. Joel Bauer? Joel Bauer. Who's that? Just a guy who's a coach. He's coached a lot of people. He's coached Tony Robbins and a bunch of people you'd know of. He's like, dude's brilliant when it comes to marketing. Brilliant. Um, just hired another coach, Daryl Ease, as our YouTube coach. I wonder who, like, Russell Brunson's coach is and who his coach is. You feel me? Like, there's always, like, there's always these levels that, and I, and I probably you having a coach impacts your belief system in seeing greater, right? I sure. mean, that happened for me this year in terms of getting in certain environments and rooms of people where, believe it or not, this year, earlier this year, I'm thinking, wow, it would be amazing to make a million dollars. It'd be amazing. <laughs> And it's like immediately after I made the decision to go get that, I started being around like higher level oh. entrepreneurs. And we like, we, just, we blew past it. Right. But like it, it was, wasn't Like because, it was sitting still. Right. But right. it wasn't that I believed that I would do what, I, what I'm doing. But I just got around some people that helped me believe it. Right. But when you got around some people who you saw yourself inside of and they introduced you to the true identity of David Chance. That's exactly. what really happened. And I saw some people that were like more successful and I'm like, I'm way better than them, but they killing it. Right, <laughs> right. And that's what people think. Right? Yeah. I'm better. Oh, man. If they did, I know I can do it. That's how people think. What's your greatest gift? What's my greatest gift? Your greatest gift. Define gift before I answer that because I want to make sure I understand your question before I answer it. If God said, I'm going to take everything you got, but I'll leave you this one thing, I'll leave this one gift. Well, you might have a bunch you mean, of gifts. like ability gift? Is that what you're talking I about? I don't know. My greatest gift is How the fact- How are a question? Okay, my greatest gift is the fact that I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's my greatest gift. Mm. That's, the, that's the greatest gift ever, so how could it be anything greater than that? So but that's that's, I didn't know if that's what you meant or not. Okay, ability. Your okay. greatest- Ability. That I, I, it, it maybe, I, think, I think my greatest gift with regard to ability is the fact that I am insatiably and eternally curious. And what is the polarity of that? Where does where does that particular gift? It shows up in, great in terms of your curiosity and yeah, it's really easy to get distracted. Mm. <laughs> like crazy Amen. easy to get distracted. Like, you're curious, man. I wonder how that works. And then you spend five hours learning how something works, and you're like, okay, now I know how that works. So, what am I going to do with it? Oh, nothing. But it was sure was fun finding it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, for somebody that is battling with their gift and the polarity of it, they know their gift is. So, but it, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me give you a couple, let me give you a couple of things that people wouldn't think of. Some of the greatest gifts that you will ever receive in your life are extremely painful when you receive them. Hmm. Explain, explain, okay. explain, explain. So I was born in Tampa. We're in Clearwater, which is right across the bridge from Tampa. I was born in Tampa, May 14th, 1961. You know what was really big in 1961? What's that? Segregation. Hmm. I was born in a segregated hospital that had no grants, no government funding, all that stuff. 
The conditions of that hospital were so poor, I contracted polio before I was a year old. I have six brothers who can all run. I can't run. I hated the fact that I couldn't run while I was a child. Why couldn't you run? I had polio. I have a brace on my leg. I couldn't run. What is, can you explain polio? Okay, so polio is a neuromuscular disease that attacks the nerves in your spine that control certain parts of your body. So that part of your body doesn't move. If it doesn't move, it can't grow. So it kind mm. of like you have atrophy and partial paralysis. So my left leg is about one one hundredth as strong as my right leg. Like I can do this with my right leg, just something that simple. Mm. I can't do that with my left leg at all. I just can't. I mean, I have muscles in there. I can move some, but I can't. I can't even extend my own leg, right? And so as a child, I hated the fact that my right leg was like three times bigger than my left leg. I hated to have to have this hunk of metal on my leg all the time. And I wore orthopedic shoes. Everybody else was wearing PF flyers and pro kids. They were kind was, of, that, was that the same thing as on Forrest Gump when he had the braces? Oh, I don't know. You didn't see Forrest Gump. It's so crazy. I was talking to Byron. I was like, yo, I did, you know, I was telling about the podcast. Like I did an interview with Dame Dash. He said, who? I was like, yo, Dame Dash. And then I was like, yo, we're just doing this. Uh, we're going to Rick Ross's house. He said, who? The rapper, Rick Ross, you're like, uh, what? And I'm like, do you not watch TV at all? Like, I, sometimes, I, but I don't I don't watch it enough to know who a lot of people I are. I got you. Okay, yeah, all right, I, keep going. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just does it. Okay, all right, so um, you didn't see Forrest Gump, which, watch the movie. It's yes, a good sir. movie. Okay, yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So you have, a, you have a brace on your leg. I have a brace on my leg. Yes. So my left leg, by the time I'm 13 years old, my left leg is two inches shorter than my right leg. So I've got a, I've got on orthopedic shoes that look like they were brown granny boots, like from the Beverly Hillbillies. They were just ugly shoes. Mm. Everybody else is wearing like pro kids, PF flyers, really cool sneakers, Converse All Stars. I'm wearing granny boots. All the way through elementary school, and through the seventh grade, I'm wearing granny boots. Mm. And then my left shoe had a sole on it that thick, and I couldn't run, and I hated it. And kids made fun of me, and I punched them in the face. Right. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, for sure. Right. Okay. And I didn't like it, but I'm going to tell you. Having polio is one of the is, is one of the worst things that ever happened to me in my life. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. Huh. I couldn't see that as a child. As an adult, I can see it clearly. There are so many skills that I developed in my life that I would not have even had time to develop had I had the distraction of being able to run. <clears throat> Give me some. So, um, I believe... Everything, like, polarity. So if there's something negative. So the strength that would have been in my leg, because it's not in my leg, it's, it didn't go, it can't be nowhere. It has to be somewhere. It moved to my mouth and my mind. I've often said God slowed my body down so my mind could speed up. Now, here's the reality. That may or may not be true. But at least I believe it. Yeah. Right? And so, so I know that there are so many things that I would not, I wouldn't have, I don't, I wouldn't have, and I wouldn't even have one one hundredth of the compassion and patience that I have with people had I not had polio. I wouldn't intentionally give people my full attention had I not had polio. Because I know what it feels like to feel invisible to people. You feel me? Mm. And so, so, and I don't ever want to make people feel like people made me feel when I was a child. Yeah. And so it's a gift. It's all a gift. You couldn't, but, like, there's no correct, you couldn't correct the... Well, that's a, so 
<laughs> now you're going to be talking about brain science, right? So you can create new neural pathways, mm-hmm. right? But it takes a long time and a lot of effort and energy. And so it, it, would it be possible to correct it? Ostensibly to some degree, but then you have to ask yourself at the expense of not doing what? Right, because I think you told a story, our first uh, mastermind, where like you were trying to correct it somehow. But I remember how the story made me feel, but I don't, I don't remember what happened. It was like, like you had some screws in your leg. Oh, no, I had a leg stretch operation. Yeah, I did. I had a leg stretch operation. Like when I was 13, I didn't tell you that part of the story. So I was 13 years old. The doctors came to my parents and said, Mr. and Mrs. Goldman got an operation. You help your son. We stretch his legs, two in- his leg, left leg two inches because it was two inches shorter. Now, it's really interesting how, how oftentimes present perceived voids create like um, future pursued values. Present perceived voids create, create future pursued values, okay. right? So because I couldn't run, I spent a lot of time at the doctor's office and I was always getting these braces adjusted and all this other stuff. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor. So I started learning about anatomy in elementary school and how muscles work and how bones work and the femur and the tibia and the fibula and the humerus and all these bones in your body. And so I started learning about all this stuff when I was a kid because I wanted to know how it worked and why mine didn't, mm. right? And so um, the, he said, we can stretch your son's leg two inches. I'm thinking to myself, I've seen Gumby and the Fantastic Four and I know you're a doctor, <laughs> but bones ain't made out of rubber, bro, right? That's all Gumby. And the Fantastic Four. <laughs> no, this ain't, that ain't how it works. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to break the tibia, the big bone in the middle of your shin. We're going to break it in the middle. The tib- fibula, we're going to break at the top and the bottom. We're going to put these two screws through the top, two screws through the bottom. We're going to put it on this metal rack, and we're going to turn these knobs a half turn every day for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, that bone is going to be stretched two inches. That's about two inches, right? And I said, wow. And then they said, he won't be able to go to school for a whole month. I'm like, sign me up. I'm ready. Wait. <laughs> Let's go. I hated school by then. Anyway, so went in, had the surgery. They stretched my leg. And after at the end of the surgery, there's a two-inch gap in the bone, so you can't just put it in a cast. So they took the, the screws that were through my leg. They put, like, these pieces of wood to hold the screws in place. And then they wrapped all that up in a cast. I was in a cast for, like, six months. I was on crutches for six months because the bone had to grow back. It didn't just have to heal, but it had to grow back together and then heal, Right. I don't even know why they thought this would work, but apparently they figured something out and it kind of worked. And so um, they had to cut my Achilles tendon. It, was, it created a whole lot of other stuff because, you know, and so um, I remember being in the seventh grade at Roosevelt Junior High School in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm coming down the steps on crutches after I had my surgery and I go back to school. Some kid pushed me down the steps on crutches. Oh, yeah. No, they're alive. They, I didn't know who it was. They're good. Straight, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, um, so like people are mean. Life does not, life does not give you a pass because you're going through something, mm. right? Like, okay, you got this problem. Well, guess what? Let me add one to it, right? But all of that stuff, it's a gift. So, so I had that that surgery, but and that was a gift. Now I don't have to wear orthopedic shoes anymore. I still wear a brace, but I don't have to wear orthopedic shoes anymore. And the truth be told, I only started wearing a brace when I was 32 after I started playing golf. Like I was, when, when, from age 13 to age 32, I didn't wear a brace. I just walked with a cane. So I didn't wear a brace. So now I wear a brace so I can play golf. That's why I, 
went back and went to the Metal Braves so I could play golf. Man, and the fact that you could just draw, like, the, the polarity, that's my new word for the week. <laughs> like, you can draw the, the upside to every downside. And there's... Well, you can, but you have to choose to. But you understand who gets the benefit from that. You do. Yeah. Right? If you, like, you can, there are some people who can only see the negative and every positive. But they choose to. There's always a positive. There's always a negative. You get the one you focus on. I get the one I focus on. We get to decide what we focus on. I'm going to be an awesome coach after this. You know that? You're already an awesome coach. I'm all right. But this is... (laughs) This is... Because, like, being able to not just... Not just help someone do the stuff, but to paint pictures for people to draw from when they're not doing the thing. Like, when... Or when I ask them to do something and they just don't because they did it exactly how I said to do it, but because they're not, they haven't become the type of person or acquired the skills yet, of course they wouldn't get the same outcome that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like it's like a movie that I did see. I think it was like Rocky 75 or whichever, you know, because there's a lot of those, right? So he's talking to his son. They're on the street and his son's ashamed of his dad. Or he's scared of something. And Rocky looks at his son. He says, you're better than that. You're better than that. That's a coach's job. Better than that. Not just how to throw a punch. Not just how to throw a punch. Give that a round of applause, please. I'm just glad I saw a movie that people heard of. <laughs> you know what my favorite movie is? What's my it? favorite movie of all times. What's that? The Count of Monte Cristo. The what? Jim Calvisi. The Count of Monte Cristo. When did that come out? I don't know. 2004, maybe? Ain't no way. I ain't heard of that. What'd you say? That came out? Yeah, you heard? You saw that? The Count of Monte Monte Cristo for an entrepreneur? Great. Like, I've seen it probably six times. Give me one principle from it. Um, Personal development can solve any problem in your life. You know know what? I tried that. Side note. I want to hear about it. But my my wife was, uh, you know, she's transitioned out of her job. And Mm -hmm. she's like, yo, I want to, you know, I want to quit my job. She quit her job already. But she's like, uh, I want to quit. And I really just got to get my mindset together. And, you know, I need to, she's like, Yo, I, need, I need to figure, what do you think I should do to kind of become an entrepreneur? Or just kind of, kind of be the best version of myself. And I said, you should read a book. She didn't like that answer. Maybe I said it wrong. I don't probably, know. You probably said it wrong. I feel like you said the same thing, like personal development. Yeah, but so... If she, I said that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because it's your wife. Yeah, true. And you might have... should Just because it's your wife, you probably could have asked her some questions. What kind of entrepreneur would you like to be? <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> well, well, see... Why did I think of that? Right. <laughs> right. So, so like, here's, here's one of the biggest problems we have. One, when we're communicating with somebody, we're telling them something, we assume they understand what we mean. I always assume when I'm communicating with people, they don't understand what I mean. That helps me be more clear. If somebody asks me a question, instead of assuming I know what they mean by the question they ask, I ask for clarity. You ask me, what was my greatest gift? Like, what's your greatest gift? Well, what do you mean by gift? Why? Because I don't want to answer the question you weren't asking me because, because I changed it into something else in my mind after you asked it to, asked it to me. And that's mm-hmm. what most people do. You ask a person asks you a question, you think you know what they mean, and so you answer what you thought they meant, and then they get, like, sideways with you. 
Why? Well, because you answered the question they didn't, and they may have asked you that question, but the thing you answered wasn't the thing they asked. That's a fact. So give me the point about Monte Cristo, because I'm going to take so, that back to my wife. So, but if I tell her exactly how you said it, so <laughs> we're going to watch the movie together. <laughs> Real talk. Um, so it's a story about a guy who's in love with a girl. He's got a good friend. His good friend can read. He can't read. And so he ends up getting framed for a crime he doesn't commit, didn't commit, ends up going to prison on this island that's far away from everything. There is no escape from this island. Mm. And um, there was an old man in the prison who had been there since he was a young man. This old man is trying to dig a tunnel to escape from the prison. And the young guy who's in prison is in love with this girl when he goes to prison, his, quote, best friend marries his girl. Mm. And then the old man teaches him how to read. And the old man somehow has these scrolls for him to read, and he just practices his reading. He teaches him how to do math, and he teaches him all these concepts. And then... There's a transformation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's really good. I'm going to go see Joe, can you text me that movie? I'm going to go see that with my it's wife. It's really good. She's loving it and everything. She's going to like it. She's not going to see what's coming. You know what I mean? So that's good. Please give him Mr. Mauer Gold a round of applause. <laughs> she ain't hilarious, bro. So I want to get maybe um, three questions. As many as you like, bro. I'm here for you. Three questions. Um, so you're going to have to come, like, right here to this uh, chair if you want to ask. Oh, questions from Ms. them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. If you want to ask Mr. Myron Golden a question, you just got to come to the the chair right there, if you don't mind. And say your name um, and your question. Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. Let's go. The, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. Try The Morning Meetup today for just $1. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com. So my question would be that Clarification, you said there are three levels of uh, coaching or three levels of parenting. Four levels, yeah. Four levels, sorry. I'm not quite sure about training and teaching. What's the difference? Training is, the purpose of training is to help people to respond automatically to a stimulus. That's the purpose of training, right? So when a person goes into the military, they have to, a, a drill instructor gives a command, they have to do it immediately. So the purpose of training a child is to teach them to obey authority immediately and completely. That's the purpose of training. The purpose of teaching is to teach them the reasons behind all the rules that you gave them when you were training them. That's the difference between training. Like, training is about response. Teaching is about reasoning. Is that helpful? All right. 
My pleasure. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Matthew. Yes. So uh, I've heard you mention before the period where you went through these trials. I think it was like 2009 to 2013. Yeah, 2009 to 2014. But yeah. Yep. As 2007, ex- actually, to 2013 is the actual yeah. time period. Yeah. As the expert and the coach, after going through that, how did you recover mentally, emotionally, to stand in the place of credibility to now lead people from that place? Seriously, though, it took me a long time. So for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, like for for seven years, so Matthew asked me the question. So for seven years, he... um, we went through a different crisis every year for seven years. So 2007, my oldest son was in a car accident. He died four days later. That was major, like, tragedy, like, so surreal. You can't even wrap your mind around it. Uh, 2008, they created the Great Recession, and I didn't participate in it, but a lot of my clients did. They owed me a lot of money. They got abducted by aliens. I've never heard from them since. Um, 2009, and et cetera, et cetera. So we got down to 2014, and by the time I got to 2013, I, like, I w- and I got audited in 2010 by the IRS, and they came after me for like a million sixty-five thousand dollars, which I didn't have. And I was like, I don't even want to be. I, like, there was a, like 2013, 2014. There was a period I didn't. I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur anymore. Mm. Like, it was it was way. And I know people say, well, if you lose everything you and you go back, it's way easier the second time. It wasn't way easier the second time for me. <laughs> it wasn't way easier. It was way harder for me to become the person who could even overcome that past experience because every time I started doing something, like, what's the use? They're going to come take it from me anyway. What's the use? They're going to come take Like I had this, right? Um, and so um, how did I become the person? The question was, how did I? What did you do to overcome that? What did I do to overcome that? So I had people in my life. I, what did I do to overcome all of that? I had people in my life who believed in me and supported me during that time. The first and foremost was my wife. Second was my son and my daughter. Like, they were there, like, 100, right? Um, And so, but I had a friend who I helped when he was in trouble. And this friend of mine loaned me $4,000 a month for two years to live off of. Right? That's a real friend, right? I need some more friends like that. (laughs) Well, what you would need is not to be in a situation where you need friends like that. That's the one. And And so, but finally, what happened that helped us come out of that was I finally found the right coach. And for me, that was Russell Brunson. But it wasn't just that Russell was so brilliant. It was that he brought me into, like he had us come to an environment where we were surrounded by this kind of energy. And that that energy changed me. First and foremost, because when we first started going to Russell Brunson's inner circle, everybody in the room, everybody in the room was making more money than we. Like, we went there, everybody staying at the Grove Hotel, $200-something a night. We stayed at the Grove. We're staying at Mara Suites, $79 a night. <laughs> right. I'm in one room, my son and my daughter in another room. Right? We get up and we drive down to the Grove Hotel. And um, it was all we could do to get there. Right? And so, but I got in this room and people were asking for advice and I'd share what I thought might help. And they were acting like my ideas were great. I'm like, my ideas are great? Oh, okay. What were they doing? They were introducing me to who I really am. Mm. Not who my circumstances convinced me that I was. Mm. Right. And so just being exposed to that kind of environment reintroduced me to my true identity. And so that's how we were able to come back. And by two, so 2015, I joined his inner circle. 2016, we had a decent year, maybe a half a million dollars. I don't remember. 2017, a million. And then 2018, it went crazy. And then 2019 went bananas. And last year, it went berserk. And this year, forget about it. 
So that's how. Is that helpful? That's good. Good, good stuff. Good from Matthew, y'all. <laughs> April Lewis. Talk to me, sister. April Lewis. So I love the question that you asked. Um, if God, his greatest gift, and if God took away everything, what would he want to keep? My question is along that line. Okay. So you're known for helping people uh, build up, scale successful businesses. Sure. My question is, is a scenario and then a question. God forbid, but this is your last day on earth. Understanding all the collateral that you have, your books, your videos, your podcasts, all of that, that's gone, wiped away. But God says, if you leave this room of people with one thing that will carry on forever to be attached to your legacy, what's the one thing that you would leave us? Good question. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But I don't want to just say that. I want to define it, right? Because Everybody knows what that says. Almost nobody knows what it means. Okay? So the Bible is not a book about religion. It contains religion, but Satan started it. In Genesis chapter 3, the religion of hedonism, which is now humanism. Man becomes his own God. That was the first religion in the history of the world. The Bible is a book about a king, a kingdom, a royal family, and the culturalization of a foreign land called Earth. Jesus Christ, who was... Salvation, his death, burial, and resurrection is salvation, according to the Bible. When he went around preaching, he did not preach the gospel of salvation, though he was salvation. Even the name Jesus means salvation. The name Yeshua means salvation. He did not preach salvation. You know what he preached? He preached the kingdom of heaven at hand. The primary purpose of salvation was to restore kingdom. And so when it says, seek you first the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? It's when I yield my life to God as the sovereign king of my life. He owns me. So I'm his. I yield my life to him as my sovereign king. When I yield my life to him as my sovereign king, he makes me the king over an assignment. As the king over that assignment, I get to rule over that assignment with sovereignty. It has to do, when I'm yielded to God my, as my king, my assignment has to yield to me. It doesn't have a choice. But here's where the kingdom of God, what makes it so magnificent, and so beautiful, and so world-changing. I use the assignment that I rule over to serve every human being I come in contact with. I know I am not, I'm here by myself, but I'm not here for myself. That's what I mean when I say, seek you first the kingdom of God. Yield your life to God as your sovereign king. Rule over your assignment as the sovereign king or queen over that assignment. Use that assignment to serve every human being you come in contact with. If you do that, your life will be complete. It will be fulfilled. It'll be energized. It will matter. It will have impact. And guess what? All these things will be added unto you. You won't have to worry about what you're going to eat or where you're going to drink or what you're going to put on. It all, it's all taken care of. That's, that's the answer. Is that helpful? Good question. Bridget. My name is Bridget O'Michaels. The three pillars of my coaching program up until today is marketing, money, and mindset. Now, Myron. The three what of your? The three pillars. pillars. Oh, pillars. Okay. Are marketing, money, money and, and mindset. Mind. Okay. Now, how would you, using the principles of teach and train, how would you teach and train your clients so much to give me, pay me premium price for that? Um, you have to, sh so here's, here's a premium, a premium, that's a great question. So premium, a premium price, when people buy something from you, they're never buying your product, they're never buying your pieces, they're never buying your process, they're never buying your person. What are they buying? They're buying the payoff, your product, service, opportunity, whatever can give them. 
the more clearly you can help them see themselves experiencing that transformation, the more likely they are to pay you whatever you're charging for that transformation. Is that helpful? All right. Thank That's you, Bridget. Give it up for Bridget. Thanks so much. Enoch, talk to me, brother. Hey, Enoch here. Um, what, my question is, what do you do? What, what would you, what advice would you give to people who want to do uh, strategic partnerships and speak on other people's podcasts like you're doing right now? Um, and would you, you meet the people at conferences? Do you like, would you suggest like cold DMing them on, on Instagram? Do you find ways that you could serve and solve problems? And then, um, and then it might come into a podcast. What would you do to be able to schedule these consistently? I recorded videos for a daily live video for a hundred days. And I realized that a lot of the stuff on my, my channel doesn't grow as much as speaking on other people's channels makes a yeah, bigger but difference. You still have to build your channel first. So the first thing you have to do is you have to create a lot. I don't, I'm not going to define a lot, but it's a lot, right? Of co- what I call community service content. You have to create things that are valuable to other people and put them out there so that they serve people. And so people find out about those, that community service content and they do the stuff and they're like, wow, I did this thing. I did this thing and it worked. Oh, I did this thing and it worked. Oh, I did that thing and it worked. And so if you have enough community service content out there that people can go and they can, they find out about you, then they can go do a deep dive on you and then they can say, oh, okay, this person really can't. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Help me and they really can help the people I serve. Then they're going to give you the green light on, okay, you can come help these people. Does that make sense? So that's the first thing. You have to have a lot of community service content out there because people have to be able to research you independently of you. Is that, is that helpful, first of all? Okay, then... Um, you have to memorize a really, really complicated script. Here's how it goes. Um, I have an offer if you have an audience. Mm. I have an audience if you have an offer. So you figure out which one you have. Do you have an audience or do you have an offer? If you have an audience, I have an offer. Like if you have an audience, I'll say, Enoch, I have an audience. I mean, I have an offer if you have an audience. And if you interview me in front of your audience, I will make them an offer. And when they buy it, I'll give you half the money. Boom. It's that simple. So figure out which one you have, and whichever one you have, reach out to the people who have the opposite one and make them that offer. I have an offer if you have an audience, or if you have an audience, I have an audience if you have an offer. And that's how I would do that. That's strong. That's good. Camilla, talk to me, sister. Camilla Mays, my question is, so we know you started network marketing, talked about how long it took you to make sale and do all of that. When did you, and what did it look like? When did you start to um, incorporate biblical principles in your teaching and, in, you know, through in your business? And how did that look? I, I don't think there was ever a time that I didn't do it some. But here's what, it's really interesting. So, so I would, I, I've been in ministry of some kind since I was 17. Like I used to be a bus captain, youth director, youth pastor, assistant pastor, senior pastor, traveling evangelist. I did all of that stuff, right? And, and it's really interesting how people think they believe something that they're not aware of the fact that they don't really believe it. Their actions are saying they don't really believe it, right? So um, 
And so I used to travel around preaching a lot of churches all over the world, right? And I can remember a, a good friend of mine who was a pastor saying, Brother Myron, um, why, he, he was assistant pastor at his church. Why do you always talk about business when he's preached? Because it's in the Bible. I talk about it because it's in there, right? And, um, and then um, I went back to that church again, and the pastor said, we don't really want you to talk to our people about business and stuff. We just want you to preach the Bible. Well, I didn't preach the Bible. But, but I decided in that moment, since he didn't trust that whatever I got from God was good enough for them, and he had to supervise that, I just don't need to go back to him. <laughs> supervising, right? So, <laughs> and, and I found out just through trial and error that not always, but oftentimes, you, the cultural hypnotic societal mechanism would have us to believe that the, the entire world is offended if you talk about the Bible. Don't bring up Jesus. Oh my goodness, you can't say Jesus. You can't say the Bible. You can't talk about God. People will be offended because they don't believe the same thing. You're making people feel uncomfortable. It's really interesting how like small little pockets of like cray-crays have really big mouths and make everybody believe that that's how the world works. Um, and the fact is, I just decided to be who I am and let the chips fall where they may. You know what I've discovered? Sad but true. Oftentimes, people in churches are more resistant to what the Bible says about business than people in the marketplace are resistant to the fact that the Bible says something about business. That's what I found is my discovery. And so what I just decided to do was not try to have an outcome, but to just be who I am and let that do what it does. If you say, well, hey, Byron, you can't talk about that here. Why did you invite me? This is what I talk about, right? And so I just decided, like, I, I really am very intentional not to Bible thump. And what I mean by Bible thump is to make people who feel like, who don't believe the Bible feel like they're less than. I'm not even attempting to get anybody to believe the Bible, like ever. Like, like I'm just, I am who I am. And I just let it do what it does. And if, and if that makes somebody uncomfortable, don't invite me into their space. And so mm -hmm. when, when I just decided to do that, like the whole world opened up for me because I was a, showing up as a real person, not as a chameleon. <laughs> no pun intended with your like, Camille. Right? That, that, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, my, that's what I mean. My, remember what I said? That's the, that's the negative side <laughs> of that brain. Okay. So, so not as a chameleon trying to fit in where I can get in and go along to get alongside the banana and be one of the bunch. Just be who you are. And let that do whatever it does. And if that makes you unwelcome in places, just don't go there. And if it makes you celebrate, go to the places you're celebrated, not to the places you're tolerated, and you'll be fine. Is that helpful? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, we're going to say we're going to say the last two because we want to make sure we break down for the for the uh, oh, five yeah. session. Go for it. Thank you. Uh, quick question: You talk about the importance of belief and how to how to use that, right? Yeah, for the people that you admire or that have reached the next level, could be your coaches or someone you don't have access to, how do you get clarity or deconstruct what is their belief system? Like, what? how do you replicate what's so, next? So, it's really interesting. Um, how do I, so the way you, the way you backwards extrapolate or uh, reverse engineer their belief system is just ask them, what do you believe about? And then tell them the thing. I remember when I first learned how to shoot a gun, my daughter, my, my, my son-in-law is in the military. And so I was in Florida. My daughter was in Pennsylvania. She said, dad, well, next time you come up here, you need to let me and John take you to the gun range. Okay. Like my daughter can say, Hey dad, you need to like buy a rocket ship so we can go to the moon. Okay. <laughs> right. 
Okay. Um, and so, so I said, okay. So, so I get to their house and I start asking John all these questions about how to shoot a gun because I'd never shot a gun before. So tell me what you, tell me everything you believe about shooting a gun. Right. And so he tells me all the stuff he believes. Okay. So how do you hold your body? How do you hold the gun? Like, which eye do you look through? Which hand do you hold? Like all this stuff. Right. So I ask him all these questions. And I said, oh, I'm going to be really good at this. And my wife and my daughter laughed at me. How do you, have you ever shot a gun before? No. Well, how do you know you're going to be good at it? Well, because I know how to learn things. And so I just ask people what they believe about things. And then if the beliefs serve them to achieve that result, then I adopt those beliefs. Um, here's what's really interesting, though, about beliefs. None of us were born believing anything. All of the beliefs that we have we are, were acquired, right? So I think it's good for, it's good for all of us at, at some point in our life to take inventory of our beliefs and make sure the beliefs that we have are serving us at the highest level and giving us the ability to serve others at the highest level. Hopefully that answered the question. That's okay. good. Good stuff. Christopher. Hi, I'm Christopher Smith from Idaho. My question is, well, first off, I've been in ministry for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And last year I did a, a deep, I, I did a, I went back and looked at my ministry and I trained missionaries. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that a lot of people weren't in ministry still because it didn't have money. Mm -hmm. And I saw the need. And so I started to go back into business. Mm -hmm. My question is, I know that you were in ministry, how to make it begin. I've, I've been learning for like the last two years and pulling the trigger has somehow been so difficult for me. Pulling like, the trigger and what? To, to make that sale or to do the. Yeah. To, to like do transactions as an entrepreneur. When yes. You well, I mean, I've been killing, I've been killing the mindset that, you know, the poor missionary mindset because I didn't want to be a, a med, I didn't want to be what I used to, I'm a medical missionary. So I didn't want to be a medical mercenary. And so my question is, is how do you make that first step? How do you get out of your own way? Yeah. You align your beliefs. A double mind demands unstable in all its ways. Right? So what you do, you should align your beliefs. You have to oh, like, for me to be an entrepreneur, I have to not only believe that it's okay to be an entrepreneur, I have to believe that it is moral, honorable, and good. Like, the world would be better with me as an entrepreneur than without me as an entrepreneur, right? And, like, the, the only thing that you said that I would correct is you said I used to be in ministry. I'm still in ministry. I just, you, you, and, and the reason I say that is because the work that I do now, the word ministry means serve, right? So the work that I do now serves far more people than it ever did when I did it in the church, right? And so what you have to understand, well, you don't have to understand this, but what I would recommend that you, a belief that I recommend that you adopt is that wealth and money are inherently spiritual and they are inherently good. So wealth is a spiritual outcome. And so in order to produce that outcome, you have to operate at a higher spiritual level to produce that spiritual outcome. I believe that that is possible for you to do that. So if, I, I, have, you ever, have you ever heard my study on God's original design for wealth? Okay. So when you understand that in the book of Genesis, gold, which is the physical substance that's been used around the world as the, representing wealth throughout world history, Gold is mentioned in the book of Genesis eight times. Every time it's mentioned, it's mentioned in conjunction with God's people, which tells me that wealth is on the earth for God's people. That's only one of the reasons. But here's what's fascinating. When God puts a blessing on your life, this is for anybody watching, listening, whatever. God puts a blessing on your life. 
Satan can't keep it from you, but he can keep you from it by making you not desire it, right? And so the scripture says that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. There are two types of lights. There are lights that shine on your path and help you see. There are lights that shine in your eye and blind you, so you cannot see. And Satan uses his light to shine in your eyes so you cannot see the truth. And most people don't understand the truth about wealth. And I'm not saying God wants everybody to be rich. I'm not even saying God wants all of his children to be rich. I'm saying God's original design for wealth is for his people to live a life of abundance because he is a God of abundance. And so what we have to do is we have to separate ourselves from this idea that poverty is piety and wealth is wickedness. That is a religious idea, but it is not a Bible idea. I don't know if that's helpful or not. That's good. Clap it up. Clap it up for Mr. Myron Golden! I never got a standing ovation for an interview, so thank you, guys. That was amazing. <laughs> you got so, one now, brother. <laughs> so real quick, you have, a, um, you have a challenge coming up, and the reason I, I know that is whenever they're watching this, you have a challenge coming up. That's true. Is that right? That's true. Okay. Tell us about it. So, so I, I do a challenge. It's called Make More Offers Challenge, where I teach people how to make the four different types of offers. And it's five days. So, so you know this. And people are going to think this is ridiculous, but that's okay. They can think whatever they want to think. It is what it is. <laughs> I get paid $25,000 an hour for coaching. That's what I charge. That's what I get paid. And if somebody wants a coaching session, they have to wire the money first before we have the conversation. So fascinating. People mm. say... Um, I'd like to buy you lunch because I want to pick your brain. You don't get to pick my brain for lunch. You get to pick my brain for $25,000, mm. right? Okay. So anyway, fascinating, fascinatingly enough, um, I do a challenge. And for $297, I break down my philosophies about business for an hour of Q&A for five days in a row for a whole group of people and then an hour of training. If they do the general admission, it's just the hour of training. They don't get the hour of Q&A. So it's $297. When they do the $297, they do the VIP. I give them a 10 times money back guarantee. I've never had anybody ask for the money back. So here's the $297. Wow. It's $297. And I tell them. I tell them on Monday, and then I tell them again on Friday when we end. Um, this is, and I'm sure we'll have somebody take someone at some point, but we haven't yet. We've had close to, I don't even know how many people, got to be close to 1,000 people, maybe over 1,000 people have gone through it. Okay. If at the end of this week, you do not believe you've gotten 10 times more than the $297 you paid, if you don't believe you've gotten $2,970 worth of value from this challenge, you send us an email, we're going to send you your money back, you get to keep all the bonuses, and we're not going to be mad at you. You're still going to be our friend. Mm. That's how confident I am that this stuff changes people's lives. And uh, they can't see it, but you can actually see. How many people went through it? Make some noise. Make some noise. Okay. None of them asked for a refund. <laughs> social proof here. Social proof, yeah. bro. Man, so um, yes, I, I, I took your challenge. Socialproofchallenge.com. Oh, 100%. Socialproofchallenge.com. Make sure you check it out. Socialproofchallenge.com. And um, it, it will be in the link, but be attentive. If you are not looking to drastically change your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And, and, and if you're not going to show up every day, because you don't get the recordings for $297, you get to show up. It's a challenge. Yeah. Part of it is challenging you to do what's difficult. And if you can't show up during the time, we do leave the recordings up for 23 hours. So you got some time during that day. You can watch it, right? So 23 hours, make more offers challenge. 
when, when you take that challenge, like at the end of the week, your life will be changed in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. For the better. It's in the pudding, y'all. Look, we got to get out of here. Make sure you uh, you take the challenge and then leave a leave a comment below if you took the challenge um, and just let us know what this did for your life. Let us know what happened um, just based off this off of this interview. And um, this uh, episode is always sponsored by The Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com, the only organization that gathers every single day. We have a morning call. There's like five, 600 people on a call every morning, Monday through Friday. And I'm there. And you're you're going to be on next week, right? I can? Yeah. We, yeah. Oh, you didn't forget, though, because you we talked about it. We did. Yeah. What day next week? I don't know. We, one of them. Okay. Yeah, one of them right there. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to do it. What time yeah. does it start? Uh, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to be on next week. It's going to be fun. It's yeah, be man. Fun. Oh, it's going down. Listen, it's man. Down. Thank y'all so much. Do yourself a favor. One, uh, click the link below. Get in touch with uh, Myron. Join the Take the challenge. I mean, Join the challenge. challenge. Join the challenge. I cannot stress it enough. Join the challenge, okay? Um, and how can they find you? And then I need you to leave us with a word of wisdom. Yeah. So if you want to find me. You gave us mad words of wisdom. But... <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at Myron Golden or MyronGolden.com. Either one is good. Um, words of wisdom about what? Put a bow on this whole conversation. Put a bow on this whole conversation. Um, own your identity. If you will own your identity and be who God made you to be, you'll be able to do the activity that you were put here to do. And you will have all of the property that you were put here to have. It's already yours. Just loan it. Can't close it out no better than that, y'all. Do yourself a favor. Go get you some social proof, meaning go build something. Go become incredibly successful. But I need you to come back to your community and teach your community how you did the thing that you did. All right, we are out of here. Peace. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.